Hello again, and welcome to the SEC Daily here at Southeastern 14. I'm joined by Gavin Schoenwald. On today's show, we are going to be giving our bold predictions for SEC football this weekend. Gavin will bring bringing those to you. We'll discuss them. Always looking for sponsors. Email caroline.smith at southeastern14.com if you're interested. Gavin, looking forward to today where you can give your bold predictions. And uh, your, your, your bold predictions last week were so good. I didn't feel the need to drag down the show by offering mine. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Either that or it's it's less work for me to make my own and, and more fun just to sit back and heckle you over yours. Uh, you can accept whichever explanation you like here. No, I uh, first off, I, I apologize to you guys. My My voice is waning here. It's because I've been trying to scream in people's face about what's happening this weekend. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but my voice, my voice is waning a little bit. So uh, forgive me there, but not Chris. I, you know, last week I may have got a little bit lucky or maybe I'm a soothsayer, but my bold predictions last week, if you guys go back and look at Thursday's show were some of them were, were reaches and were pretty spot on. And so uh, I'm excited to get back into that today. And once again, I have to say this before you guys come for my neck, uh, bold predictions are bold for a reason. Are they likely to happen? No, but they are very possible. And that's what I like to lay on the table. Just to, you know, maybe if if this happens in the game, this is a way a team wins it or, or whatever it may be. But we'll get into some more detail as we go. But, yeah, I told Chris before the show started, Thursday may be my new favorite day because I basically get to talk the entire time and and uh, give my predictions. So really excited for today. Uh, let's address the elephant in the room for those watching this. Have you killed Ron Burgundy? <laughs> Ron, Ron Burgundy has passed away. Um, the mustache. I, I, so I, I dressed up as Ron on Saturday night at a big Halloween party was a major hit. Uh, and then the mustache stuck around for a few days. And I think people thought I was a creep. So I took it off. And, uh, <laughs> and here I am. Cause when I'm not wearing the suit, it just didn't really fit in. And I, I looked like a complete weirdo. So that that's gone. <laughs> that's too bad. Uh, Hey, our, our show with or without Ron Burgundy is made possible by our friends at Bet Online. The last of major pro sports leagues is off and rolling. College basketball is ready to go as well within a week. Bet Online remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, and NHL are in full swing. Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, Trends and predictions. By the way, we'll be looking at some college football playoff odds uh, maybe later this week, courtesy or certainly next week, courtesy of our friends at Bet Online. They they do actually offer futures bets on who will make the playoff, which is not an easy thing to find. Head to Bet Online today. Remember to use our promo code Believe. That's B L E A V for fifty percent off your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, Gavin. Bold predictions. We had fun with these last week. <laughs> you actually nailed a shocking number of your bold predictions. Yep. I, I think perhaps even shocking to you. Uh, so with that, let's keep a good thing rolling. What is first up on your list of bold predictions for this week? So let's start out uh, with AM and Ole Miss. And this is a really intriguing matchup because AM's five and three. But they're a lot better than your average five and three team. A lot more talented, that's for sure. You know, you go back and you look at their schedule, and obviously they have the, the bad loss to Miami. And 
But the two other losses were to ranked teams, Tennessee and Alabama, and both are one-score games. Every other SEC team they've played, they've won by double digits. And so they, they play good teams well. They just haven't been able to get over the hump and actually beat them, and that's why there's been so much scrutiny over Jimbo Fisher. So here's the script for this game. If you guys are betting people, here you go. Ole Miss is going to fall behind early because Jimbo and AM are a – they play the good teams well, as I said, and they're a desperate team, and desperate teams do desperate things. Um, but as we know, Ole Miss with a powerful offense, it may be their most complete team in Kiffin's tenure – is going to surge in the middle school uh, quarters and find a way to win this game, you know, by one score. And then this might be the most likely uh, bold prediction, honestly, is that post game presser with uh, Lane Kiffin. I, I guarantee you he's going to throw a couple jabs at Jimbo Fisher and and poke the bear. But I do believe it's going to happen after an Ole Miss win. But they're going to have to come from behind to do it because AM is going to get off to a hot start. Now I got to call you out on one thing. Okay. Uh, is it bold to say Lane Kiffin is going to throw some jabs at Jimbo Fisher? Because, man, he was already throwing him in the presser this yeah, week. Yeah, that's likely. Pre- but that's right. likely, right? And that's why I said if, if I'm going to nail one, I'm putting my money right there. I'm putting my money right there that he's going to be up there. And you know what? That's At this point, if, if, if any other college coach does that, I think it creates a lot of scrutiny. But now I feel like we've all just accepted that's just who Lane Kiffin is, right? And that's what we've seen, and it's going to happen. He's going to do it. I just would love to see someone retaliate and kind of push him back a little bit, and they all kind of shrug it off. I would love to see a little a little head coach standoff maybe in the postgame pressers, and who knows, maybe they can throw down when they meet in Destin next you know, next, uh, next fall for the meetings and whatnot. All right, you said something about AM having a bunch of close losses in SEC play the last two years. I know that's true. I just wanted to to give the facts to support it. Okay, last SEC loss for Texas AM at Tennessee, seven points. Mm-hmm. SEC loss before that, Alabama, six points. Uh the last loss in the league before that came last year to Auburn, three points. The one before that uh, to Florida by 17. And then it's also last year, Ole Miss losing by five. South Carolina losing by six. Alabama losing by four. Uh, Texas A&M losing by 18. Arkansas losing by two. I mean, it's it's crazy. We just named off eight or nine losses. A couple of them were in the teens, but – how many did we name off there that were yeah. three to eight points? I mean, it was it was several. And I think that's the thing that's been frustrating about Jimbo's tenure is the talent has never been questioned, and they just can't get over the hump. And it's been a little bit like Arkansas. I think they're still a tier above Arkansas in terms of talent and what they're putting on the field. But they can't get over the hump and win these games. They're still losing by one score. I don't care if you get beat by 50 or five. A loss is a loss. And they don't ask how in college football. And so, and they sure as hell don't care in College Station. And so, they play good teams well. That's why I think this is going to be a close one. And I actually think A and M is going to start out with a lead. Ole Miss is going to surge in those middle quarters and find a way to win. But it's going to be a one-score game. I do believe that. Yeah, I mean, A and M, according to the computers, is a is still a top twenty-five level team. And again, yeah, the, the reason is it's all those close losses. The, mm-hmm. the presumption is if you're playing good teams within a field goal, that's a, it's a coin flip game and. You're right there. They've just been on on the bad side of that more times. And and look, some of that, I'm I'm sure, goes to coaching in the Jimbo Fisher and, you know, punting on fourth and one on the other side of midfield and and all the stuff that is just driving A&M fans crazy. 
It's the little stuff. The, the, the difference between winning and losing in this conference is this big. And yeah. when you look at those games, the different in Tennessee, they go toe to toe with Tennessee. They go toe to toe with Alabama and they have chances to win those games at many opportunities in the game. And they can't find a way to do it. Imagine if they win those two games and we're looking at a one loss AM team, which was a bad loss at Miami that they should have won. It's a completely different season. The margin in this conference, y'all, is this big. It's yeah. this big. And AM somehow has just found a way to be on the wrong side of it. Well, and this is the team that, that could be a playoff record, not just this weekend, but let's say LSU beats Georgia, beats Florida, beats Georgia State. That last game of the season, sitting there, if AM gets hot, um, it, it could have the potential, even though its dreams are gone, to wreck someone else's. Yep, absolutely. I'm with you. All right, next up. Next up, we got Mississippi State and Kentucky. Um, here's the deal. Kentucky found something last week. Kentucky found something in that passing game that has been missing all season um, against a good Tennessee defense, um, to be honest with you. And that came off a of bye week. So if you look back at, at my bowl predictions from last week, I predicted that Ken, uh, Kentucky would finally click with Devin Leary. They get the bye week, you know, get get in sync with Barry Brown, get in sync with Dane Key because they've been so, you know, um, leaning heavy on Ray Davis. Guys are going to start packing the box. Okay, well, they found something to do for through for 370. You know, for this upcoming game, I believe Kentucky continues that newfound success in the passing game. Leary's going to throw for 300 yards again and capitalize on a weak Mississippi State secondary. You know, that got exposed last week against Auburn, which is probably the worst passing attack in the entire league. And so not only did they find something last week, but they're up against an opponent who just gave up a bunch of passing yards to a bad passing opponent. And Kentucky's finally going to find a way to win this game, I believe, in double digits. Because when you can't stop the passing game and you know that you have a great back in Ray Davis who's going to you know, hurt you in the running game as well, it's a long, long game for you know, that defense. And as well, you know, we, haven't, we haven't really seen well, – I'm so used to thinking about Mississippi State and thinking points and yards, right? Points and yards, because that's what I remember them being in the years yeah. past. And that's just not the case with this team this year, Chris. It's just not whether it's Mike right there. You know, whoever's playing quarterback, um, they've really seemed to struggle. Uh, Will Rod, whoever it is, to find an identity, one. And look, I have sympathy towards Mississippi State. It was a horrible what happened to Mike Leach and, you know, replacing him really quickly. It's just a really unique situation, so I have some sympathy there. But it's it's really hard for me to have some confidence in the Bulldogs this time of year. Yeah, I, I would make fun of you a little bit. For, for picking this this week, but kudos to you, my man. You you called this last week. Now, Tennessee did go down Kamal Haddon before the game, and, and that had something to do with it, I'm sure. But, I mean, you you called that one. It was not in a vacuum. We we know about what Devin Leary has done. We know how gifted Brown, Robinson, and Key are. Mm -hmm. But, look, it, it hadn't shown up against the, what, the, the Akrons of the world earlier right. in the year. Yep. So to, to show up against Tennessee in that spot, uh, you had some belief in, in the Cats, and it, it paid off a week ago. And I, I think now with getting some confidence and with exactly the way that you outlined it with Mississippi State, I, I mean, mm -hmm. this is – I don't know if this is as bold a prediction. Uh, we're leaving these bold predictions, but but certainly you, you nailed the bold part of that a week ago. Yeah, well, I think my confidence from making that prediction last week, Chris – was because of the bye week. In my experience as a player in this conference, the bye week you can completely reset. And especially, you know, with this new world of college football with transfer portal and whatnot, you know, you bring in Devin Leary, a guy from, you know, NC State who doesn't know these receivers at all, and you throw it on the field and say, make it work. You know, sometimes you need that week in the middle of the season where you can just regroup, run routes on air, get more in sync. And that's exactly what it looked like. 
way more touch on Leary's balls. It looked like they were more so on the same page, way less frustration. Those bye weeks can totally rejuvenate your season, and it really looked like it rejuvenated that pass game for Kentucky as well. So I'm going to predict that they're going to you know, continue that newfound success. Leary's going to throw for 300 yards, and Kentucky's going to win by double digits. Okay, Arkansas and Florida, what do you have here? I said it earlier with AM. This is the most desperate team in the country right now. Arkansas is. They've lost a bunch of games in a row. You go into the swamp. And like I said, desperate teams do desperate things. We're going to see a fake punt. We're going to see a fake field goal. We're going to see some crazy thing. And if Arkansas can capitalize it, whether it's, you know, they convert it for a first down, whether they convert it all the way for a touchdown, they give themselves a chance to win this game. However, Chris, I think Florida is just way too good in the swamp. They have not been good away from the swamp. Let's think Utah. Let's think this past weekend against Georgia. Let's think when they played at Kentucky. They're a completely different team playing inside the swamp than when they are outside the swamp. I think that they overwhelm them, and Florida ends up winning by a touchdown. But I think the story of this game is the trickery that we're going to see from Arkansas because Sam Pittman knows it. He's going to have to do desperate things to win this game, whether it's fake punt, onside kick, rambling in the middle of the game, fake field goal, whatever it may be. But just keep your eyes peeled for that. Yeah, I think this will be probably a lower possession game. Um, Arkansas getting off about 65 snaps a, a, a game. Florida getting off 67. Florida only giving up 56 snaps a game in Arkansas 61. So I think it's also going to be a lower scoring game. Over under on this is 49. Yep. Man, we have beat Arkansas's struggles with offense to death. Danino's lost his job because of it. They can't block anybody. KJ Jefferson's not been great. So I think that that's a spot where, hey, maybe maybe the coaching staff should be listening to you. Yeah, I think you've got to steal a score somewhere, given the, the state of your offense. And and here's the misery in Technicolor: four point seven yards a snap. This is going to be mm-hmm. a game that might be decided by a score. To remember, as bad as Arkansas has been, most of its games have been close. You, you may need that's to right. steal someone one somewhere with with a fake punt, fake field goal, something like that. I think that's a great call. Yeah, and and whether it's um, you talk about stealing points, and yes, that would be great, right? But stealing a possession is probably just as valuable in this low scoring game. We've yeah. seen uh, Arkansas struggle offensively. You know, we haven't seen Florida put up hundreds of points, right? And you said the over unders at forty eight. You know. Vegas knows best. That's why these casinos exist. They wouldn't exist if they lost more than they won, y'all. And so this is going to be a slow, slower game. We've we've talked at length in the past, Chris, about Florida dictating game tempo, dictating game control, game pace. Arkansas knows it. They know it. They're a desperate team with their backs against the wall. Sam Pittman knows he can't afford a seventh loss in a row. They're going to be doing desperate things where they can steal possession or definitely steal some points. Um, But we'll see. You definitely got to keep your eyes peeled if you're Florida special teams or their defense. Okay, we've got we've got five games coming up. The, the the two that are coming up immediately are the two that everybody has circled this week. Yep. That's Georgia, Missouri, LSU, Alabama. We're going to start with Georgia, Missouri, but first we need to give a shout out to one of our sponsors. That is MyPerfectFranchise.net. Are you sick of working for someone else, looking for a better life that you can live on your terms? The guy that can help you understand the risks and rewards of that, Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net. He will help you find the perfect franchise based on your goals, your dreams, your skills, your financial requirements, your personalized American dream. He'll educate you on the process, work with you every step of the way, 
There is no obligation. His services are free. Call him 404-973-9901. Fill out a questionnaire to get started. Andy's a tremendous dude. Has helped hundreds of people find the right opportunity for the franchise. He is not in this to make a buck by steering you this direction instead of that direction. He's in this to help you. And again, he will invest a lot of his time at no cost to you because that's just where his heart is. I know several people that Andy has helped. Let him help you today in your quest to find a better life for you and your family. All right, Georgia, Missouri. Got a lot of folks in the chat waiting for us to talk about this one for sure. Yep, yep. and understandably so. This is probably the game of the week in this conference, right? And I I have a feeling that uh, a lot of people in the comments aren't going to agree with me, but that's okay because we're creating debate and I want you guys to tune in. So please let me hear your opinion. But here's my bold prediction on this game. I think George absolutely blows him out. And here's why. We saw last week, the story of this season with Georgia has been, we haven't looked like the team that we've seen back-to-back national champions, right? We haven't looked the quality of whatever it's been. Okay, I've seen it twice this year, only twice. Once against Kentucky, and I saw it last week against Florida. Only in the Kentucky game, though, did they score first, start fast, and never look back? And in my opinion, that's exactly what's going to happen in this one. Georgia scores first, flexes his muscle, and never looks back. This is a home game. Missouri knows it's big. Georgia knows it's big. And I don't think Georgia's any way they let them walk into Athens and steal a win from Georgia being back-to-back. Let's look back at last year's game, though, because that was a really intriguing game. No one saw that coming, right? And Missouri really yeah. almost beat them. They really almost beat them. And when you look at the stats and everything like that, Georgia had double the yards, but the biggest double the first downs. I'm I'm, I'm reading the stats here, y'all. But the two biggest statistics, the two biggest statistics in all of football. So, like when you guys are at the games, I don't care what SEC stadium you're in, usually you know it has the score, and then it lists you know total yards, passing yards, rushing yards, time of possession. Usually somewhere on the on the screen. I don't look at that at all. I really don't because the two biggest statistics in all of football, really college football specifically are explosive plays, which are runs of more than 12 yards or passes of more than 15, and turnovers. And the only reason that that game was close last year is because Georgia had two critical turnovers and they were also four of 13 on third down. That's the only reason it was close. Georgia was far better talented, far more advanced, and they found a way to win at the end. But I feel like a lot of times with these good teams, I don't want to you know undermine Missouri's performance either because with these good teams – they get scared of uh, or scares throughout the season of upsets. No, like there were some serious points in that second half last year where I thought Missouri was going to win the game. Yeah, serious. And so I got to give my credit there. However, I think that was you know coming off that last year, I think Georgia knows it. You know, Missouri thinks they have some momentum this year, but this is this is where Georgia flexes its muscle. They're back to back national champions. I guarantee you, Kirby's barking at all those guys in the locker room saying we got disrespected being number two in the college football playoff. They put Ohio state over us. They're going to come out swinging and they're going to try to knock them out early. And I think Georgia doesn't look back. That's a bold prediction. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I do think it's very, very possible. All right. Of all your bold predictions, there is none that I hope you were wrong on more than that one. I, I just want to say, I, I, I hope I'm wrong too. Hey, I well hope I'm the wrong I'd, I'd like to see last play decides the game. That's, that is what I am here for. And that's, Missouri that's winning this game, boy, that would be so much fun for that fan base. Although it might knock the might knock the league out of yeah. the playoff too. And but, let, let me say let me say this because these are these are bold predictions, and I'm I'm yeah. you know hoping that they occur because I want 
them to hit. But man, I would love to see Missouri go toe to toe with Georgia and Athens. I would love to see. I would love to see Brady Cook on that because everyone's going to be watching this game, right? And we've yeah. seen it. The true diehard fans in this conference have seen Brady Cook is gritty. He's tough. He's got a huge fan in me. I think Luther Burden is explosive. I think um, my man Schrader is tough as hell. I love the way Drink runs his offense. Their defense is stout. I love watching Missouri play football. And that's coming from a Vanderbilt guy that went up against him and was trying to steal win from them in the years past. So I hope it's, I hope I'm wrong. I do, because I want to see a great game. And if Missouri can win that game, I mean, Holy smokes, you talk about an absolute yeah. catapult forward for that program. They're already getting big time recruits doing really well in recruiting the facilities, the new stadium that they just built, not the new stadium, but the new end zone that they just built and the new facility is gorgeous. Top of the line in the country. Think about what this one win would do for everything, for everything. Yeah. And so Am I secretly hoping that my bull prediction hits? Sure. But, man, I'm not going to be mad if Missouri finds a way to steal this game, and that's going to create some real headlines in this conference, really in this country as well. Yeah. T two problems for Missouri. I, I wish for Missouri this game had been earlier in the year. Well, three things. I wish it were in Columbia because then I think it could be really interesting. Agreed. 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 I, I just it's With Carson Beck, this team was finding a new identity, and you're starting to see flashes of old Georgia, where some weeks it, it doesn't look great, always. But they they have just stepped on Kentucky's neck from the jump uh, a couple of weeks ago. That's the one that got everybody's attention. Yep. And you're like, okay, is this a one-off thing? Was it about Kentucky? No, they they go to Jacksonville, and after allowing that touchdown on the first drive, did the same thing to Florida. Yeah. And, and you saw it last year in the playoff. That is just what Georgia does to people. It's who they are. It's Good who teams, they are. great what teams, do. doesn't matter. Um, mm -hmm. Now, here's my other thing: if you're Missouri. Because look, none of that's one hundred percent. You just you just never know. Georgia again has has kind of no showed for games and gotten away. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if I'm Missouri, I'm I'm almost wishing that game last year was a blowout mm -hmm. instead of a close game. On on one hand, it gives your guys confidence. Eli Drinkwitz can go to his guys and he can say, "Hey, look, guys, we were that close to him a year ago. Yeah, we yeah. can beat him this year." And and that's what I would do. Yeah, and you're a way better team than you were last year. Way better. Absolutely, absolutely. On on the other hand, if you're Kirby Smart and you're trying to get his team's attention, I'm going, "Hey, look guys, we were lucky to win that game last year and they're better." Yep. And if you yep. come out napping, we're going to get beat. I, I I don't know how that shakes out, but I have a feeling that that game being close last year in terms of the way that Kirby Smart will use that as motivation. Yep might play more in Georgia's favor. Again, there are reasons that it might not that I just outlined, but that's my gut feeling. That's my gut feeling as well, Chris. But I also, I really, really, really wish I could be a fly on the wall in both teams' locker rooms this week because I think the message from the coach to the players, just like you said, is extremely interesting. Because on drink side, it's we were so close last year and we're way better of a team. We should beat them, right? That, that's what the, the right. you know, form, or you know, it makes sense. On the Georgia locker room, it's, hey guys, uh, the it's the exact opposite. You know, they were they almost beat us last year, almost kind of like the disrespect route. And then another thing that I feel like plays into Georgia's hands is back to back national title. You've won however many games in a row, and the first playoff rankings come out, and you're not number one. I mean that that don't don't put like that is a chip on their shoulder as well. Yeah. I guarantee you, Kirby's barking at them in the locker room about that. That is probably that's probably taped on their locker room, all that kind of stuff. I'm telling you, that's how college football works. People are psycho, and so all that stuff is is being preached to to both teams in the locker room 
you know, at the same time, let's rewind this season a little bit because when Kentucky walked into Athens, it was similar, similar storylines. I think, you know, obviously Missouri is a better team than Kentucky. They found a way to beat them in Lexington as well. But it was similar storylines. I believe Kentucky was undefeated going into Athens, correct, Chris? I believe they were. Yeah. And when they showed up to play them, Georgia scored first and just throttled them, and it was never a game. It was never a game. They put it to bed early. So I'm with you. I would feel a lot better for Missouri if this game was in Columbia. It would be an electric atmosphere for Missouri, really giving them an edge, I think, a competitive advantage. But with this game, I'm seeing, I'm, I'm, I'm reading the writing on the wall of similar storylines and a similar script to that Kentucky game earlier in the year. All right, Bama LSU. We'll spend a little bit more time going into detail on that one tomorrow, and might might do the same. Might unpack Georgia Missouri a little bit more on the Friday show too. Uh, Trey Wallace won't be joining us tomorrow, by the way. He's usually our Friday guest, but he's got some stuff going on and can't be with us. So that's what we'll do tomorrow. But let's give a bold prediction for Alabama and LSU now, Gavin. Okay, so this game is really intriguing to me because <laughs> Alabama has been all over the place, all over the place. And look, I'll give them credit. They've come into form more as the season's come on. And LSU, you know, I, I've expressed my – disappointment in their defense because their offense is record setting and the best in the league or best in the country, really, if we're being honest. So here's how I see this game playing out. I see Jaden Daniels having an absolutely massive first half and LSU actually has a lead at halftime. I think that, you know, they have a plan coming into the game. Jaden Daniels has proven that he is not only the consistently the best quarterback in this conference, but really has a chance to find himself a, a spot in New York, especially if they can find a way to win this game. And he knows it. He knows the legacy game for him. And you talk about the quarterbacks that came in the past. I don't want to say Joe Burrow because he's not the level of talent that he is. But, man, what an opportunity that Jaden Daniels has. I think he takes advantage of that. LSU has a lead at halftime. Now, we've also seen Alabama struggle out the gate. They made Joe, Joe Milton look like prime Cam Newton in the first yeah. half against Tennessee. And then I don't know what Kevin Steele did at halftime, but, man, they figured it out, and the Bama factor won out in the end, and that's exactly how I see this playing out. LSU, Jaden Daniels plays unbelievable in the first half, has a lead going into halftime, and then the Bama, the Bama factor, they say down there in Tuscaloosa, takes over. But this is going to be an instant classic game. I really think it is. And I think Bama's defense is what goes out in the win. But the big play Bama offense, Jalen Milrow, Jermaine Burton, whoever it may be, you know, LSU's defense, like I said, I've been disappointed in them, and they expose them in the second half, and they find a way to win this one. It's going to be tight, an instant classic, but it's going to be a lot of back and forth. I think this, to me, this is going to be the most enjoyable watch of the weekend. Yeah, I think that prediction was probably less bold than some of your others, but but I also think that's plausible. Mm -hmm. um, because you, you sort of gave the game script – I mean, there were some variations to it. One of them was a defensive score, a strip sack of Joe Milton ended up being the biggest play. Yeah, uh, you know, which which is a little harder to do against LSU, which just doesn't turn the ball over. Uh, but you know, you're not facing Dallas Turner and company every day either. Uh -huh. I, I think that if you wanted to give a really surprise prediction, well, you know, I, I'll, I'll get into that tomorrow. I'll, okay. I'll I like that thought, like but I but um. Yeah, one thing, I'm, one thing, I'm um, fascinated to see this one. I really I'm am. fascinated to see this too. But one thing too, we've seen Jaden Daniels do, and it's a part of his playing style, and it's a bad, bad quality, is he takes some massive hits. I mean, yes. he takes some massive hits in the open field, like not in like in the pocket, but like as a runner. 
I mean, massive hits. There's probably been three or four this year where I've been like, he easily could have been out for the season. And I guarantee you, Dallas Turner, everybody on the Alabama defense is going to be trying to take his head off because they know if they get that guy out of the game, it's in Bama's hands. And that's stuff that you talk about throughout the week. You know, not necessarily trying to injure the guy or anything like that, but you want to you want to lay into him, man. You do, and that's very real, um, and make them feel you. But like I said, I th- you talk about being a game script. This is more of a game script, I think, than a bold prediction, Chris. Hot yeah. start. Hot start for LSU. Jaden Daniels, everyone on social media, everyone in the narrative is, holy smokes, legacy game. He's doing great. And I still think he's going to play well in the second half. But I saw what I saw in that Tennessee game is Alabama got punched in the mouth and they almost got knocked out in the first half. It should have been 21-0. And Kevin Steele and Saban and whatever they did defensively at halftime in the locker room, they stopped the bleeding in the first half, came out in the second half and imposed their will. Strip sack made Joe Milton come back down the earth and found a way to win that game. That's exactly how I see this one playing out too, Chris. Okay, Jaden Daniels' comments had me scrambling to the internet to to see how many plays Jaden Daniels has been a part of this year. 223 passes and 91 rushes, so that's what, 312, I think, touches total. Uh That's 312 chances to get hit. I mean, yeah. that's, that's no, a lot, he, uh, he, I'm, I'm 314. And we've seen me. it. Mm-hmm. And we've seen it. We've seen it against – I remember watching that Florida State game. I mean, he, like, jumps in the – he doesn't protect himself is my point. He'll jump in the air. Yeah. You have no leverage with your cleats in the ground. I don't care if you weigh 300 pounds, dude. You're going to get dropped. And so all that stuff, he's got to find a way to better protect himself. And if he gets really antsy and tries to make a play – look, I, he's also proven to me in the country that he can make some incredible plays by himself. Now, if he gets desperate enough and starts taking massive hits and gets knocked out of this game, which is very possible, you know, I think that's that's really going to play in, in Alabama's advantage. Okay, uh, before we get to our final three games, which are Vandy, Auburn, UT, Connecticut, uh, South Carolina, Jacksonville State, a word from Chomps, my go-to snack after a perfect workout, halftime, whatever, nine flavors, so something for everyone. Where you want to start is the trial pack. Been through a couple of those in the Lee House that has six different flavors and all three proteins, nine to 10 grams of protein and 60 to 100 calories of stick or per stick, excuse me, <laughs> whole 30 keto certified paleo, gluten free, free of the top nine allergens, no hidden harmful ingredients. Go see our promo code below when you go to Chomps, get 15% off your order, help out the folks who help our show. Uh, Vandy Auburn, uh, I, I see your show notes, uh, and you basically said, who knows, uh, I'm kind of right there with you. you did, did you come up anything after a night to sleep on it? I, I, I literally think that the bold prediction for this game is who the hell knows, because I don't, yeah. I have no clue. You know, I, I, what I saw from Auburn last week was a completely different team that I'd seen all year in terms of the passing attack, right, with Peyton Thorne. And it looked like those guys were totally in sync, really similar to Kentucky. You know, Hugh Freeze also came out and publicly talked about how, you know, he, when he was at Ole Miss, he, he found some tough losses when he went and traveled at Vandy. It's, you know, people talk, it's a completely different environment, you know, for obvious reasons than other SEC stadiums. But because of that, it's always not the easiest to play in. Um, and so it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. You know, what does Vanderbilt do from the quarterback position? You know, they just totally looked out of sync last week against Ole Miss. You know, what's their attack plan going into this game? 
Um, are they more aggressive defensively? What do they do um, in terms of trying to get more pressure on the quarterback? It's just going to be really interesting to see if Auburn can sustain the success of the pass game that we saw last week. Because if that's the case, I think Auburn wins the game. If not, this one could go back and forth for four quarters. Here's your bold prediction. You see at least five guys with a pass attempt. And that's not so bold because Auburn has been rotating two quarterbacks all year. Vanderbilt came out yesterday. The, the news broke. Uh, Andrew Wolf, who's with their student paper, broke that Vanderbilt's going to go to two quarterbacks again with Ken Seals and Walter Taylor. I, I don't really understand that. But that's what they're doing. Maybe you see a halfback option from somebody or maybe a second quarterback gets knocked out and we go to a third somewhere. So, yeah, how about how about five guys throwing a ball in this one? Yeah, I, th I thought that you were going to say that, that's exciting stuff, isn't yeah. it? I mean, that's yeah, just, that's, it's exciting that's stuff, but it's, it, it's two teams. All that tells me is it's two teams who are still trying to figure out their identity this late in the year, which is never really a good sign. So, yeah. Um, Tennessee, Connecticut, a game that Tennessee is supposed to win by 30 something points. Um, I'll maybe say this is a little closer than people think, and, and I'll give you the reason why I'm trying to find Tennessee's schedule. Big win over Kentucky last week. Big game at Missouri next week. Get, get your starters out. Um, yeah. Although maybe it could work the other way. Give Nico Imaleva some time to shine. I guess if your backup were, were Joe Pedestrian, then – then maybe it's easier to find a blow. But, I mean, that that might be the opposite where they want to bring him in and just really give him the stage to to let him ball out. So, yeah. But, I mean, that that, that is between two big games. Connecticut's awful. Uh, I mean, that is a classic letdown spot for yeah. a lot of teams. So, let me let me uh, give, you, give you all some insight on how these games work this time of year. When you have an opponent like this that you – I don't want to say obviously they're going to win because we've seen these upsets in the year. I'm not saying UConn's going to beat Tennessee, so relax. But what I am saying is with these games in the year and you talk about, oh, you know, we're not looking forward to this game, that is all BS. The coaches are not watching film on UConn this week. They probably watched film on them Monday, but I guarantee you they've already got a game plan or developing at least, not, not finished, developing a game plan for Missouri maybe Georgia that's that's why there's the college football staffs are 100 people deep is because you have enough people to do that and so as a player sure your mind's locked in on what you have to do this week but I'd be lying to you if you if I told you they're spending the same amount of time on on UConn as they're going to spend on Missouri or Georgia in, in a couple of a couple of weeks so if I'm Tennessee if I'm Josh Heupel and Joe Milton there's two ways you can go about this game is you know, we still are not totally in sync offensively. We've shown flashes. flashes. We showed it against um, Alabama. You know, we showed it a little bit, uh, you know, at home most recently as well uh, against AM. But, or, I'm saying or, not but, you go in the direction of I get Nico some reps. And so it's just going to be interesting to see what two directions they go. You know, they, do they try to run it up early with Milton and then get Nico some reps, or do they really try – to you know, build that chemistry that I still think that they're trying to sustain consistent play over the four quarters of the game, not just from Joe Milton, but the offense as as a whole. I think those are the two approaches to the game. It's going to be interesting to see how they attack that. All right, South Carolina, Jacksonville State. Um, you got to the show notes blowout. I'm not entirely sure about that. Let, let's not forget. Okay, Jacksonville State's a Rich Rod team. Mm -hmm. Rich Rod, holy smokes, that dude just keeps popping up everywhere, man. He does, doesn't he? <laughs> he does. On the 13th. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. But, yeah, Jackson, so Jacksonville State's, what, 7-2, and two, right? 
and beat Florida State two years ago. Beat Florida State two years ago. I'm looking at their schedule here. You know, like they one losses to Liberty, who is undefeated. Correct, correct, Chris. I do believe they yes, are. Yes, that is correct. So they have a loss to an undefeated team, but there's also you know an overtime win over Sam Houston State, a close you know three win or three point win against Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky is actually having a good year as well, and so they're not just some you know piss poor you know group of five team or whatever they may be. But I do think that South Carolina is more talented, more in sync, and I've seen flashes of it as well. Not nearly as much as Tennessee or this and that, but I've turned South Carolina's on sometimes this year, and they got, you know, yoked up receivers. They got Spencer Rattler who can really sling it. They just really can't seem to put it all together, and it doesn't help with all the, you know, uh, presser antics that we see from Beamer. That's really why it gets, you know, the hype that it's kind of, I don't say hype, but the attention that South Carolina has gotten this year. And so, you know, I do still think, Chris, that they're going to win this this game by 10-plus, 14-plus. It's not going to be a blowout like UT-UConn, but I do think they should win this game handily. Handle, and if they don't, or if somehow they find a way to lose this game, holy smokes, holy smokes, right? And we're really yeah. going to be talking. My, I think that's going to be a game going down the wire. That's my bold prediction. Wow. Okay, I like that. I like that. I like that. Yeah. We can talk about that on Monday. I like that. I mean, South Carolina is two and whatever. Um, beat up. Jacksonville State's got a lot more to play. And, and here's here's one more element of the dreaded upset recipe. Can you guess what it is? What's that? 11 o'clock kickoff. <laughs> the 11 o'clock kicks sucks so much as a player yeah because as a fan honestly as a fan it's kind of like it's fine right like you wake up and you go to your team's game and win or loss you kind of got the rest of your afternoon to watch football and watch the big night games right like it's not the worst thing in the world but as a player in terms of everything that you have that leads up to it right you're waking up at 6 a.m in the hotel you're having walkthroughs at 6 15 6 30 team meal at seven um team meeting after that you know, like all that stuff takes a lot of time. And so you have to wake up at the ass crack of dawn for an 11 a.m. kick. And it's just the most annoying thing in the world, which means you're going to bed the night before, you know, it's a really quick turnaround. Like it's, it's, you know, four o'clock on a Friday afternoon. And like, you're approaching that 24 hour clock until kickoff or not 24 hour, excuse me, like 12 hour clock until kickoff, right? Like it's coming into the night. And so it's just a totally different approach. And so you're right, Chris, that 11 a.m. kick is, is, uh, it can be a, a trap. It can be a trap for some some teams, especially when you know you're approaching games that you should win. Yeah, I mean it's a 14 point line. We've seen bigger upsets than that this year. The computers have it all around that same margin too. Um, the the most optimistic one is team rankings got at a 12 point game. So uh, you know it, this isn't one of these 30 point spreads. So yeah. yeah. All right. Um, Let's get to some comments and stuff. First of all, thanks to Dan Rudloff for the <laughs> super chat here. Uh, we got a downvote on you giving up the mustache, I suppose. Yeah. Hey, look, it was a good run. I got a lot of compliments on it. and uh, But that reason right there is why it came off. That reason right yeah. there. So. Um, Darren's. Um, if we beat Georgia this weekend, we still won't get recognition, but can be in the top five. Look, you beat Georgia, you get plenty of recognition. Trust me. Hey, if what, you what, beat 20, Georgia, 25, 26 five. in a row. If you beat I Georgia. I don't think people are going to. 
and you're in the top five, I think that's called recognition. So I think you're going to be fine. The SEC for this big boy league has more fan bases just feel like they are constantly scorned. Disrespected, right? Yes. It's, um, it's, it's a common theme in this league, I've noticed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tyler notes that Georgia doesn't start out fast. It would be something new. That's why it was a bold prediction. That's why it was a bold prediction. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Right. Um, better question. Does Missouri present, prevent the Vols from scoring 60 this year? Um, that, yeah. That'll be a question for next week. <laughs> Boy, that was bringing it back some past. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a couple other things in here. We, we got you know, the – Criticisms are flying. You know, people read stuff into you. That's Let's fine. see if I like I can it. find it here. Um, because there's one more I wanted to get to. All right, throw it up there. Um, we've been accused of comparing Joe Milton. I like this. Let me go in on this. I like this because here's the deal. I didn't compare Joe Milton to Jane Daniels as a player as a whole. Exactly. Joe Milton was nine for nine with two touchdowns in Tuscaloosa. I mean, that's a pretty damn good start. And so if yeah. if, if Jaden Daniels finds a way to start like that, then I think LSU, which I, which was my bold prediction, by the way, I think LSU is going to have find a way to, to have a lead at halftime, and who knows what happens in the second half. But you're lying to yourself or you didn't watch the game if you didn't see Joe Milton look like an absolute beast in the first half of that game. Yeah, I wanted that. That was not the the point we were making. We were not saying that Joe Milton is on par with Jaden Daniels. No, but that is the SEC fans find disrespect where they. I can. love it. You know I what? I'll tell you another reason I'm glad I, I brought this comment up. If if you're watching the YouTube, check out that helmet as avatar. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Why, why don't we see that one more? That is that is awesome. The, the, if you're not that if you're listening just on the audio, uh, it's it's a purple LSU helmet. I think. I can't tell if there's a gold stripe down the middle. It's got LSU across the top, the tiger face. LSU is in white with, I think, a, a gold outline. And again, That's it's good a good purple backdrop. That is a beautiful helmet. I don't know why we don't see more of that one. Yeah, that's good looking. They need to I'm they need that. a little more for sure. Hadn't seen that in a while. All right. Uh, tomorrow we'll be back at it between 11 and – 11.30, 11.45-ish. We just kind of go till it runs its course, which it has for today. Best way to see us is to hit the subscribe button and enable your notifications so it'll let you know when we go live. It's almost always at 11 sharp, give or take a few seconds. We usually have a little delay to let folks get in and get their notifications. But uh, just a reminder that we're here. Hit the like button. That helps our analytics. And, and, and tell your friends about us. Um and we got some basketball content coming too. A lot of moving parts this time of the year at Southeastern 14, but we're here for it. That's what makes it all fun. For Gavin Schoenwald, I'm Chris Lee. We are Southeastern 14. Uh, thanks to Bet Online, where the game starts for sponsoring this. We appreciate you watching, and we'll see you again soon. <laughs>